Welcome to Australian Hunger, I'm your host Ben. On today's show I've got an interview with Khan. One of the bands playing at Progfest, the Australian Progressive Music Festival, that I've been playing interviews from all this week and leading up to it this weekend. Before we get to the interview, I want to talk briefly about something related to Progfest, but something more broadly that I kind of think about probably too much for my own good, to be honest. So, I got free tickets to Progfest today. Something, you know, that you get if sometimes you cover these events. Um, and kind of being a person who just likes to cover these kind of things, I, I saw Progfest as a really good opportunity to talk to a bunch of bands um, which were living in the prog world, who some most of which who released albums 2018, maybe late 2017, in the case of Seams, who I didn't quite get a chance to cover just because the show either wasn't around, the podcast wasn't around back then, or I was interviewing some other bands and I didn't quite get around to chatting to them either because I didn't know or you know, stuff like that. But like, for me, it always brings up a very delicate question when you're covering something which you have received free things for. It's, I always find it a very weird situation. And, like, I think the music industry in particular, and I'm not saying that there's any, like, stuff going on or, like, it's corrupt or whatever, but, like, I've always found it just really weird because I've been to, you know, acting as part of a radio show which covered these kind of things. I've been to gigs for free. I've been gigs to go to review for. Um, some of the people who I was producing um, and handling, they would go to gigs to take photographs and, and all those sorts of things. And it just, I don't know, it feels kind of weird. That's why I didn't initially, like, I got offered the tickets. And, you know, obviously I'm going to accept. <laughs> Let's be real. But I didn't ask for them just because I felt really weird about it. The fact that, like, if I wasn't doing this show and I wasn't covering Progfest, I wouldn't get tickets. And so there's kind of a... Like there's, you know, it's 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 good in a sense because it's like I'm part of the industry. I'm covering this stuff. I'm going there. I can talk about it in kind of like just a very wholesome way. But there's also the fact that these people are promoting these these you know these events and they want people to go there. And I'm not. I've never experienced this. Let's be upfront. I've never experienced this where I've felt the need to give like positive coverage or something like that in order to attend an event. Never experienced that at all. Haven't heard of anyone else doing that. But it always makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable when you're in an environment where, like, let's be honest. If you're giving given free stuff. Like, will you be continued? Will you continue to get free stuff if you give negative coverage or say negative things? Like, it always makes me feel really uncomfortable, and that's one thing that I've kind of enjoyed about this space is that I'm not so much like as a reviewer or a photographer. I'm just you know talking to people about their music, and for a large part, that kind of separates me from any kind of free stuff. Yeah, I get free albums, but, like, I don't... I'll either listen to them or I won't. I'll only interview bands I actually really enjoy, and they're kind of... I feel really free in that sense. This show is my own, and I can cover whatever I want. If a label wants me to... Like, like, let's theorise. And this has never happened. But, like, I'm I'm talking about just, like, the theoretical concepts, like, the feelings of this kind of environment. Like, let's say a label's like, oh, we really want you to cover this. And I said, no. Like, uh, well, you really should cover it. And I could just say, no, I don't have to deal with that label anymore. I don't care. You know, I, I, I can talk to other bands who are independent. I can talk to other bands who are on other labels. And it's all good by me. But... 
and again, I keep using this word uncomfortable, but like, it's just, I've always found the thing a little weird where organizers invite you to events and like, hey, here's a free ticket. And it's like, well, what is your responsibility in that circumstance? I, I think a, a massive responsibility is to always be upfront, like, hey, I got free tickets to this. Keep that in the back of mind when I'm saying whatever I'm saying. But what is your responsibility in that circumstance? Like, how do you maintain that objectivity? And obviously this isn't some kind of journalism thing where you need to be objective about the claims of corporations or governments, but I still think there is a certain amount of responsibility that you owe your audience in the fact that you have an authentic voice. And I'm, you know, always... The fact that this is a hobby and I do it for no money, it basically kind of gives me the motivation to never be that kind of person because it's all self-motivated. It's all generated from my own will to do this because I enjoy it for the very thing of itself. But no, some of the people... Like, I'm, not, I'm not insinuating anything, but like some of the people who do this for a living, like it, it's got to be a complicated world. It really has to be a complicated world. But nonetheless, you know, it's it's music journalism, not, not covering war. So I know I, I probably think about it a little bit too much. But anyway, so I interviewed Josh Bills from Khan. They're a Melbourne band. As I mentioned, playing at Progfest on the 26th when that show comes to town. They also released the album Veil last year. The band's are like a little bit... I don't know, like heavy is a very subjective term, but a little bit less heavy than a lot of bands I interview. But like really, really cool stuff. They're the kinds of bands which I'm like, I don't care how heavy you play. The music you are making is really, really interesting. And it was a really cool conversation. Really, really good to talk to someone a little bit out of my comfort zone. So the first song that I play is Break Off Your Shells. And then the second song I play is The Deluded, both from The Veil by Khan. Josh Bills is the guitarist and vocalist for Melbourne band Khan, who will be playing at Progfest in Melbourne on the 26th of January. Their latest album, Veil, was released last year. Josh, thank you so much for joining me. Cheers, Ben. Thanks for having me. You're really welcome. Now, let's go back to the beginning of the band. When did it start? How did it start? So, uh, Bo and myself, the drummer, um, we've been, well, I went to high school with him back in Adelaide for a couple of years. and we've been jamming sort of since around then and playing in bands. Um, and then we decided about oh, three and a half years ago that we'd make the move to Melbourne and pretty much start again, um, pick up a new bass player and um, change the name to Khan and start playing new music. And that's sort of, yeah, how, how it came to be. Why did you decide to move to Melbourne? Um, well, it's a better scene. There's more people. Um, more venues uh, and honestly I was pretty sick of playing in front of the same sort of people it felt like we weren't really moving anywhere um, and also I just wanted to get out of the place <laughs> The name Khan, where did that come from? So Khan um, is a book series called Metro, uh, it's also a game like a video game series it's in like a post-apocalyptic in the Russian subway. Um, and there's a character in there called Khan who's like really cool and sort of creepy and mysterious at the same time. Um, and yeah, I really like him. And 
just thought it was a nice, simple name. Um, it's already been used uh, as a band or uh, back in the 70s or a side project. Um, but we sort of figured uh, that was ages ago. <laughs> mm. Should be right. Yeah, it can be kind of a little bit difficult uh, with all the history of music to come up with something purely original, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, that's right, especially for the one-word band names, unless you're making up a word or combining a couple or something like that. Definitely, definitely. So one thing that was really fascinating, kind of listening through the EPs, listening through the album um, uh, Veil, yep. was like, it's it's very difficult for me to kind of conceptualize your sound like how would you go about describing it? I'm, not, I'm not talking about like a genre but like in a in sort of broader terms like how would you describe the kind of music that uh khan plays um well it's sort of big I, I guess it's a big sound for three people um there's lots of layers and stuff like that in the um in the album um it sort of yeah kicked it up a gear from the ep um but it's I don't know, I try and avoid using the word epic because I don't like it, but there are sections in there that are big and epic and sort of it, the songs take you on a journey, I guess, um, from start to finish because they're long songs as well, or majority of them. Um, yeah, and just sort of pretty... There's a lot of light and dark within the songs, like the dynamics being longer songs allows for more sections, so... Um, yeah, you've got your light and shade. Mm. Um, yeah, it's sort of pretty spacey as well with all the effects and multiple vocals and, um, yeah, the layers and stuff like that as well. Mm. I guess without saying, you know, progressive psychedelic rock. <laughs> <laughs> So I want to talk briefly about the EPs because I found that really interesting. Um, three in one year, and then we'll move on to the album. So, like, I often find the formula bands kind of come up with is, hey, let's release an EP that gets our name out there, gets us a little bit of practice, and then we'll release an album like a year or two after that. You guys released yep. three EPs in the one year. Um, why yeah, why so- did you take that approach? We sort of cheated. The The first two EPs were actually from mine and Bo's previous band um, because it, uh, we just sort of swapped the uh, the bass player over and um, it was just a rebranding, I guess. We I remixed and mastered them and then we just put them out as soon as we got here just so that it gave us an opportunity to get some gigs and people to know what we sort of sound like at the time, which we don't sound like that really anymore. Um, but yeah, and uh, on Silent Space, the third EP, that was all written. I mean, at the time, the album was written and had been for a year or so. So I had all this music and just sort of wanted to get it out and do it, um, sort of get a name for ourselves, I suppose, in the local scene and start playing some shows and get out and about um, before we move on to the like the bigger album. Um, so yeah, just sort of put the three out, um, did did some touring, um, mainly up the East Coast and back to Adelaide, and then um, started uh, recording and focusing on the album and promoting for that. Now talk a little bit about that. how that album came out. You mentioned that the songs were already written. So was there yep. any development between that and recording them, or how, how did it all work out? 
Um, so, yeah, I wrote the songs, oh, shit, it'd be like five years ago now, even more maybe. Um, so they've been sitting there waiting to go just in demo form. Um, and so we recorded them here at our house because um, I got the studio set up, my home studio set up. And uh, there's always stuff that gets added in when you do it properly, like a lot more um, vocal layers and guitar layers and different effects and stuff like that. Um, but really the songs didn't change too much at all. Um, yeah, I think um, we were all happy with how they sounded. We just wanted to get a better sound for them from the demos because I, I wrote them just like with MIDI drums and like DI stuff and, you know, with bleed in the microphones when I'm coming up with the, the vocals and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was just, I guess, getting a better version of what we already had. So how did you go about writing those tracks originally? Um, well, sort of varied. Um, a few of them started with, like, drums, come up with a drum groove or a bass group. Um, and because the album is so rhythmically heavy, I guess, just um, it just sits and a, a large focus of the songs is, um, um, it depends who you are, how you listen to your music, but I find that with the album, there's a big focus on how the drums and bass just sit for a long time, and then it allows me to um, sort of flow over the top and change the feel, how the song goes. So, yeah, a lot of the songs started with drums and bass, and then I'd just loop it and jam over the top on the guitar um, and write all the music first and then vocals always last for me and then lyrics um, but yeah because it was all written before Mitch was in the band the bass player and uh, and yeah I just sort of did it all on my own but I was always happy for me to come up with bits and pieces for him and then he just sort of adds a bit of flavour um, some cool drum fills and stuff here and there two kind of related questions like did you take any lessons from the, the material that you've been working on previously that came out in the EPs and like what were you more broadly aiming for with with this album um well yeah so the earlier stuff um the first couple of EPs a lot of the songs came from much, sort of uh with actually a drummer before Bo that I was jamming with we sort of would jam on the songs and write them and work on them together. Um, and then I would also write other ones um, and then bring them to the band and we'd sort of figure it out. Um, I just sort of moved away from that process purely because I'd have an idea. I'd be out in the back room of my parents' place and have an idea. And then all of a sudden there's a full song there with drums and bass. And I hadn't even thought about talking about about it. Um, but yes, and so I, I sort of wanted to move into a heavier sort of psychedelic area as well. I think I was just naturally moving that way um, from like on silent space. There's bits and pieces that you can hear that um, sort of sound similar right, with the effects and just the style of the songs. Um, but yeah, uh, 
what what was the second part of the question? Sorry. Like, what were you sort of aiming for with it to, with this album? Oh, that's yeah. Um, so I guess just I'm not sure. I wasn't really aiming for anything. I just wanted to write music that I was happy with, um, and then if anyone else enjoyed it, even better. That's sort of the way I, I work. I don't really try and aim to write anything because. I don't know, I only ever write when I feel inspired. I don't want to limit it to needing to sound like a certain way, I guess. Um, I'd rather just let it flow freely and um, see what happens, see where it takes me, see where the, uh, what sounds come out. Mm-hmm. And so the kind of, I don't know, different way of approaching that, like, so you're not aiming for anything in particular, but like, the end product. At what stage is it like? Hey, this is that quality that makes you makes you happy. Um, I don't know. I, I suppose there have been bits and pieces that I've started working on, and um, and then I just sort of abandon it because it's like uh, I'm not really feeling that sort of vibe. It's not connecting with me, I suppose. Um, and there have been songs where I've gotten most of the way through and been like, oh, I'm not really sure how to end this and it's just sat there for like six months to a year and then I come back to it and finish it off and yeah and and then I suppose become happy with it it's just sort of I don't know when it when it feels right when it feels like it's done it's usually yeah I'm happy with it like the second track break off your shelves is only a really short one and I was I wasn't sure um, whether to add more or to leave it how it was. It just sort of, the way it finished felt right. So I was like, yeah, cool. That's going to be a short track on the album.
Speaking of like track length, Drudge I think is the longest song you guys have uh, released. Go, go in a little yeah. bit of detail about how that song came about because it, it's good. I know just a song of that length, and then just the way you guys sort of play music, it's just got a kind of incredible quality to it. Yeah, so it was uh, like it's pretty much a song in two halves. The outro is half the song, I guess. Um, but I think I was just working on stuff. Um, had two sort of things in the same key that were the same tempo. Um, I got to the end of the first part, um, first half of the song, and it just sort of felt like it needed more. So I just started working on some another section, and, and it just kept on building and building and building, and the, the more layers, and um, even added some synths and keys and stuff in there as well. It just yeah kept on going until... I suppose, yeah, I felt happy with how it was ending. Now, you uh, worked on the recording and uh, mixing and mastering the album. Um, talk a little bit about that process and uh, like, how did that go for you? Oh, it was, uh, it was hard and tiring. I, I, I definitely went um, a little bit insane um, going back and forth from different systems and stuff and listening to it sort of became a bit of a perfectionist, which, um, I don't know, it just tends to happen when I work on my own stuff. When I record other bands, it's a lot easier. Um, but, yeah, so we, we've we got, uh, in my bedroom, I've got all the uh, the computer and the amps and the pre- um, preamps and stuff like that. And then we've got a room next to that uh, where we um, have the drum kit and like, the live room and just run cables under the doors and stuff. Um, but we we get the drums down first, uh, make sure Bo's happy with his takes. Um, and then we just start laying, then we went bass and um, and then started laying the guitars. And it was sort of a, a, a process over a couple of months because we're doing it at home. We didn't have to worry about uh, paying for a studio and, you know, the time. Um, and taking your gear back and forth is always just here, which makes it a lot more comfortable and a lot easier. Um, and therefore, I think, get better results uh, rather than stressing about money and time. Um, so, yeah, once we got all that done, I think I had a month off and then, then did the vocals because we, we sort of we knew we weren't going to release it until... Uh, 2018 and we started recording like six months before that um or even longer i think actually but yeah and then started mixing and i think uh i don't know i sort of went about it in a slightly different way i wanted to make it really big and really i just yeah come across like there was a lot going on so i um had a couple of different things that i did to the drum kit that I didn't used to do before that, which uh, since then I've kept on doing because I rather enjoy it, uh, the sound that came across. And then, yeah, mastering, I, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty much just make it loud. <laughs> in, in terms of, like, um, kind of your experience in that world, how, how did you get involved in it? Uh, it was, well, actually, 
purely got into recording because I didn't want to go, when I first started singing, I didn't want to go somewhere else and sing in front of other people. Are very private and insecure about doing that, and I'm still not great with it. Um, I wanted to have complete control over how uh, my vocals turned out, I guess, um, which you know comes back to that perfectionist crap that bothers me, but it it works out all right. Um, yeah, so I did a course in Year Twelve uh, where I learned how to use Cubase and. Since then, just uh, pretty much taught myself, recorded bands, recorded myself, and just did bits and pieces over uh, the last eight to nine years, and um, slowly developed my skills, YouTube, uh, forums, and blogs, and stuff like that, always help you out, just doing lots of research and trial and error. That's pretty much it. I haven't had any further study or like, work experience in a proper studio or anything like that. So it's, uh, I very much know my setup and my gear, and that's it. In terms of kind of the other details about the album, like why did you choose the title Veil for it? Um, I don't know. It just sort of, I wanted to keep um, the uh, the album title as one of the track titles. Uh, like we've done for the rest of the stuff and I'll probably continue doing that. I just like that for some reason. Uh, but yeah, Vale, I think it just sort of it's rolled off the tongue a bit better, but also when we were thinking about artwork as well, um, just imagine that we'd be able to work or the artist would be able to work with that a lot better. Yeah, just sort of the other song titles didn't seem to jump out as much as Vale did. Mm. Now, speaking of that work, who did you get to do it and what was their, their brief for it? So Bo had a, um, a guy that he knew through work um, and he is a tattoo artist. Um, his name's Christian. Christian Liam... Was it Liam Bruni, I think it was? Um, I think that's what his last name was. But, yeah, he's a tattoo artist and um, he makes cocktails as well. Uh, and he, he'd expressed interest to Bo about doing an album and we said we told him that we've got ours coming up. Would he like to give it a go? You know, we'll pay him. Because um, I'd looked on his Instagram and seen some of his work and he's really, really quite talented. Um, and then he did up this draft and it was like a similar to what the final product was, but it was a bit different. Um, and just had like the ships falling down the canyon, um, with the, like the valley in the background and just loved the concept. Um, and the way it sort of could spread out across the whole album back and front. Um, and yeah, he experimented with a few other things, but we were like, nah, we like that first one. <laughs> can you do do something more like that? And yeah, he, he came to us uh, with the final product and it was amazing, um, just the way the colours blended and because um, he used, I think he used uh, tattoo ink on like parchment or something like that. So it, the way it, the colours blended and the ink soaked into the paper was just looked amazing. We were very happy. Mm, mm, mm. 
Yeah, some of, some of the textures, I think particularly, um, I think it's the sun, really come out nicely. Yeah. Yeah, because he, he was experimenting with, like, uh, dropping, like, oh, I, I can't remember what he used, like some sort of acid onto the onto them, and they were separate, and then he glued them onto the um, the other piece, and it yeah, it just turned out fantastic. Yeah, really like it. Talk about the um, prog fest in a kind of way. What one thing I always like to ask bands is like how they, what, what they try to do when they're playing live. What are you trying to do when you're playing a show? Uh, play the right stuff, firstly. Um, but yeah, just uh, try and be as tight as possible. Perform with you know the energy that the songs deserve, rather than just stand there and you know, show no emotion, um, get into it, like, without putting it on because we all really enjoy playing the songs. Um, yeah, just have some fun with it, interact with the crowd a bit. Um, I don't know. We just perform, we be ourselves and um, play the songs, I guess. How did you guys get involved in Progfest? Um, so we'd... Uh, I've We've known Tibor, who works with Wild Things, um, for a while, and he came out and saw us play for. Uh, we op- we did the tour with Like Thieves as part of our album tour, and we invited him to come out, and he sort of pushed for us to be on the uh, on the lineup, and it came through. So I'm not sure who made the final call, but I think he was definitely in there hear about it. Um, which we thank him for a lot because it's a great opportunity, great sh- going to be a great show. Um, I want to finish up with a couple of more personal questions about you and like what you sort of developed as a musician. Um, yep. Like, what music was kind of influential on the way you kind of, the kind of music you make? Right. Um, yeah, it's sort of, I guess it's um, everything that I've ever listened to really um but more recently like when i was writing the album i was listening to uh a lot of sound garden a lot of cog and a lot of carnival um and then also stuff like elder um tool geez what else they're probably probably the main ones so definitely got some progressive stuff in there but um some more Psyched about art and John Frusciante is a huge influence of mine as well. Love that guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess you know, sound going back from like Sabbath and Zeppelin and stuff like that, and then even earlier Powderfinger. Um, I don't know. It's yeah, there was not one particular thing that sort of influenced it, and not like I said earlier, one sort of sound that I was going for, and that's sort of how the album came to sound the way it does it's, it's sort of hard to pigeonhole into one genre we sort of borderline on a few um which is handy because we can sort of play with a, a bunch of different um lineups and bands and stuff but also um sort of tricky because we're not just one genre um and it's a bit harder for people to find, I think. When did you start playing guitar, and why did you stick with it? 
Um, I, Dad bought me a guitar for my birthday and Christmas um, when I was eight years old. I think I'd showed a bit of interest. His dad was a musician, um, and if there was ever guitar around, I'd always want to be playing it. Um, and then I sort of, I played a lot at first, but then sort of lost interest for about a year, and Dad guilted me into <laughs> getting back into it. Like, oh, I bought you this bloody guitar, and you're never playing it. Um, so I started playing it again and um, got better, and then I just sort of, pretty much was self-taught from then on because he, he taught me the basics. And once I learned to read tablature, um, I just learned any and every song that I knew and liked. Um, yeah, and just, I suppose by the time I was about 13 or 14, I just wanted to play guitar nonstop um, and was always working on stuff and working on new songs and or learning songs. Um, and then I, uh, when it came time to sort of put a band together, uh, couldn't find a singer for the life of us. So, um, I had a crack and at first I was shit house. Um, but yeah, similar to the guitar, I practiced and worked at it and got a bit better. Well, one of the things I, I feel like I noticed, um, transition from the EP to the, um, to the album in particular is kind of like um, more, more falsettos. Is that something you, you're working on in the, in the interim? Um, actually, no, I wasn't really working on it. I always love putting in a bit of falsetto just to change it up a bit. Um, allows me to get, get a few high notes in there as well. Uh, but I think I'll, that's sort of how I realised that I could sing a little bit was that I could do a bit of falsetto. So it's always been there. I think just in the uh, songwriting prior to the album, I just hadn't done as much of it. But um, I had a few other projects, like I've got a solo album and um, had a another band as well and did a fair bit of falsetto in those and liked the way it turned out. So, yeah, included a lot more in the um, in the album. And it's also really good for the layering and the harmonies and building up that sort of choir-like sound even though um, we, we can't do it as well live, but we give it a crack. Um, one last question. What have you been listening to, reading, or watching lately? Um, well, I've been playing uh, Red Dead just recently. Uh, watching, what have I been watching? I suppose the last notable thing that I've really watched uh, well, there was a movie, Captain Fantastic, beautiful movie, um, but also uh, Full Metal Alchemist, uh, the Brotherhood um, anime. What, I haven't really been reading much for a while. Um, yeah, that's sort of sort of it. Oh. 